Hello all and welcome to The Media Beat with Maureen and Claire. A packed show today as always and as always we have uh, Maureen Kerr who is the lead partner and leads the global practice in media at Arthur D. Little, the oldest management consultancy in the world we like to say and she advises all sorts of companies on their media strategy and investment plans as well with those who put money into the great thing that is media and we have Claire Tavernier. Uh, Claire and Maureen have known each other for years. Claire has held a variety of high-profile roles in many different media companies and also now advises on media strategy. Two better people to discuss the topics of the day on media I could not imagine. Hello to you, Maureen. Hello, Oliver. And hello to you, Claire. Hi, Oliver. And I'm very happy to say that I can see both of them today and they both look ready for action, raring to go and lots to say. We shall be talking about AI and chat GPT. We shall be talking about the results at Disney and Spotify. And we will have our regular lightning fast rounds with a twist. So I um, look forward to that. Um, I'm such a tease, quite literally. Like and subscribe if you like what you're hearing. So um, if you have been living under a rock on Mars in a different solar system, although I realise Mars is in our solar system, you will not have heard of ChatGPT. If you are a homo sapien living on planet Earth... You will have heard of chat GPT, you will have played with it, and you will have put loads of prompts in it, and you'd have got loads of stuff out and then probably got bored with it. Although I have a colleague who is now writing his reports using chat GPT, which is um, really rather disturbing, although I think the output will be better than um, um, he's managed in the previous seven years that I've known him. So yes, we cannot have a podcast on media without talking about uh, chat GPT and its associated um, uh, tools that come out of the AI world. And I want to um, first get the thoughts of Claire, because I know that you've been having some extraordinarily interesting conversations with various people on this subject about uh, the impact this has in uh, presumably the creative industries predominantly, but more generally. So, um, Claire, what have you been discovering in the field, as it were? Yes, well, it's it's really been prompted, and this is a loaded word that I will be using, by our uh, last podcast episode with, with Albert, uh, where he talked about the importance of refining the prompt and how ChatGPT or any generative AI, not only ChatGPT, is really only good as the prompt. Uh, and that prompted me, again, to uh, try and get better at the system. And so I've been dialoguing a lot with ChatGPT. The first thing I noticed is I've obviously, I've obviously been in this country too long because I'm very polite with it. So when I asked the, the, the chat to uh, write me an email and it doesn't quite come up with what I want, I will come back and say, that's great, but perhaps you could do it. <laughs> and then realize that I probably don't need to give it, don't need to give it. Uh, and I'm saying it because I've been saying him and I think it definitely shouldn't be. Uh, gendered. I'm trying very hard not to give it positive reinforcement, but finding this hard. And that leads me to a conversation I had yesterday with a fascinating uh, founder, tech founder, who's based in the US. And she was saying that she'd been talking to somebody who said that the, one of the jobs of the future, and I say future thinking very near future, that people are talking and starting to recruit for in the tech industry in the US is a prompt engineer. And that comes apparently with a salary of uh, a starting salary of up to $155,000. So, you know, that there is there is a future in being a prompt engineer. Now, she was saying, interestingly, that she thought it was a terrible idea to have called it a prompt engineer, because if it's not an engineering role, you don't actually need 
to be good at coding. You need to understand the basics of, AI, of how AI systems work, but you do not need to come from a scientific background. And in fact, she was saying, uh, this would be a really great way to get more diversity in the tech sector because it could open it up to many more people, including people from different uh, geographies, because obviously you don't need to be based in the same place, uh, but also people who uh, may have had an English degree or a literature degree or anybody who's good with words, really, because it's really about the wording. So that was the first thing that um, that I learned. And I have to say it's very reassuring as the mother of children who have chosen humanities as their field of studies to think that they might all become prompt engineers with a big starting salary. But I thought that was really interesting. I've also, and prompted by this last podcast, I've, I've been talking to... Um, somebody who heads up an innovation lab at a big uh, public broadcaster, not in the UK, I haven't asked her if I'm allowed to use her name, so I'm not going to. But she was talking about how uh, in in her job, there's a lot of anxiety about, about generative AI and what it means. And they've been trying a lot of small experiments. Interestingly, most of the experiments they're trying uh, are in the news field and they're around uh, fact checking and origin checking of data. Uh, in fact, and sort of trying to use AI to label data, use AI to potentially watermark data so that the public, uh, in a little bit like age ratings for movies, I guess, the public have a very visual way of knowing whether this is coming from a source that, that they feel is a trusted source, like maybe the New York Times, or um, or whether it's not. And so it's uh, that's that's a lot of the experience they're going they're going through. But we also had a fascinating discussion about educating people around AI and the role potentially of broadcasters, of specifically of public broadcasters, uh, in in you know, in, prompted again by Alba's point that we shouldn't ban it from school. We should teach people how to use it. It really reminded me of the beginnings of social media, where there was a sort of knee-jerk reaction from a lot of grown-ups saying kids don't use social media it's bad well they used it anyway and there was a whole group of this sort of mini generation of of kids who weren't protected at all on social media because they weren't they weren't educated around it and i do feel that there is potentially a huge and important role for uh children's broadcasting uh to to educate and teach and not only the children but also their parents on what ai how to work with AI, what does it mean, how can you use it, what are the dangers, what are some of the issues, but also how can it help your uh, daily life. So, yes, that's been really fantastic, actually. I feel like I've learned so much this week. Yeah, we got a review in uh, from the podcast, and it was just going on how absolutely brilliant I was. And for about two seconds, I was flushed with pride until I realised that Claire had used uh, Chat GPT to do it and put in a flattering prompt, and so it was absolutely fake. But thank you very much for those uh, two seconds of happiness. But my prompt was very good. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> I think it was saying something. Um, I've been playing with a couple of colleagues about this uh, with this tool where you can put in um, a couple of minutes of someone's voice, and then you can make them say anything. And uh, the, the, a friend I do a podcast with, uh, I've got lots of his voice, obviously, so I could get him to say some extraordinary things. And I was a hero with our friendship group because I was making him say some ridiculous things until they realised it wasn't it wasn't really him. Uh, that's a great summary, uh, Claire. I love this uh, prompt engineer. That is ridiculous. They're not engineering at all. They're more prompt creatives, really. A prompt developer. They're um, like you say, um, you get 
people who've studied more creative things that that would be good at that one assumes uh, maureen i'd love to i'd love to bring you in what what are your thoughts and uh, and how is this going to uh, affect the way that uh, you deal and advise with your clients all this uh, stuff that's happening um, and and sort of developing on an almost daily hourly basis yeah, I know. I mean, Claire, you, you've had a fascinating week. Um, I, I think I'm following. So we've had two guests who've been, uh, you know, tackling this topic of generative, uh, you know, AI. And, and and I think in that sort of matter of four weeks or five weeks, it's amazing how it's on the tip of everyone's tongues. You know, it's amazing that, um, you know, Dr. Alex and also Albert. What I've discovered is that there's it's polarised us. You know, it's a bit like, you know, the topic of Brexit. It polarised our neighbours, uh, you know, um, and, and our friendships and so on. I mean, this is fascinating. Um, and what I'm seeing is a lot of people who are absolutely threatened by this, you know, their jobs, um, their sanity, <laughs> their identity, you know, um, uh, as, as, as someone uh, who's... Uh, whose voice was stolen um, and used in a manipulative way, but uh, rather entertaining, rather an entertaining way. <laughs> um, <laughs> Many apologies. And, 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 and also, though, those that see this and are embracing this and seeing it as an absolutely amazing opportunity for, for business, for education, for, for, for their lives, you know, um, and, and, and I, I'm finding it fascinating. But, but isn't it wonderful that as soon as, uh, as soon as it became sort of, you know, a topic for the masses, for all of us, then uh, Google comes out, uh, you've got Alibaba, you've got uh, uh, so many other now players coming out and saying that they've, they're showing their research, they're showing exactly what they've been doing. So Google has launched or will be launching Bard. Um, uh, so I, I, I get a sense now that we are going to be inundated. And I think that's going to be probably positive for us in terms of let's lay it all out, let's just see what it can do. Uh, and if there are indeed threats, as as, as Mr. Albert Mege said, uh, one of our colleagues said uh, last time that, um, you know, it, 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 the cyber element, the cyber risk element, it is pretty, pretty important for us to sort of get our arms around and our heads around. I mean, you, you might recall that um, he tried to, uh, he tried to get that, it prompted it to help him uh, solve uh, in a theoretical way, you know, the most perfect crime. And on first attempt, didn't succeed, and on second attempt, when he manipulated it by using, you know, a stage environment, a theatre environment, and two actors, he managed to get the result, and the prompt <laughs> gave it the most perfect crime. So, so I think this is uh, this is something for us to to consider. But yeah, so two things I find it's it's amazing that now all the other large techs have come out and showing their wares. So we'll find out what what, what what's been going on, and a lot of research been going on, and how we can use it as professionals as customers, as, as human beings. Um, and then the second one is, I picked up something from, and, and it's probably Scott Galloway, but I can't remember. Um, uh, it wasn't ChatGPT, that's for sure. Uh, um, but it, it was that they reckon that this is going to be commoditized now. Um, and we're going to now start seeing just an, you know, a flood of, of uses and use cases and opportunities, and it's going to be for our picking. So I, I, I'll... Uh, I'll rest my case there, but I, I'm, I'm much more on the, I love this. I think it's going to augment us. I think humans need to be in the loop. They will continue to be in the loop. But yes, they are going to be some um, reallocation of labor, if I can put it that way. I think as we are a media podcast, one of the things, the themes that I'm hearing a lot is, you know, what should we do? And we've been through this several times in media, you know, 
Second Life comes out and the board says, what are you doing about Second Life? Or, for, you know, it was um, last year it was NFTs. What are you doing about NFTs? Nobody's talking about NFTs anymore. Uh, so I feel like a lot of media companies are getting calls from, you know, uh, stakeholders saying, what are you doing about ChatGPT? And my view on this is very much that media is a mass consumption uh, tool and therefore very rarely should it be the first at doing something. So for me, media around ChatGPT at the moment should be around building use cases, as you said, Maureen, which I think is crucial, not throw themselves in it without being very clear about what it brings, what value it brings to what they do. And yes, experiment, but on a small scale that, you know, no media company is ever going to compete with Google or OpenAI in terms of, you know, investment. But what they will eventually bring is access to mass audiences to to create uh, and to embed new tools. So I think it's important to define what role media players may end up uh, holding in the in the generative AI ecosystem. It's a very good point you make um, about what are, we, what are we doing about Second Life? What are we doing about NFTs? We get the same thing in the uh, IT business. You know, what are, we, what are you doing about Metaverse? And you're just like, uh, uh, you're a printing company. <laughs> there is no, there is no Metaverse. You just print lots of stuff. Um, that you know that has no. Uh, what are we doing about blockchain? Well, you, you really don't need a blockchain in, in your business because you know you're whatever you, whatever you're doing. It's uh, it's a very good point. But the, I think that the genie is very much out of the bottle. I mean, as soon as I started manipulating Warren's voice, I realized that everything that everybody leaves me on a voicemail now is subject to a large um, amount of suspicion. Oh, by the way, the answer to Albert's question is acid bath. Uh, my father was a coroner, so he dealt with all sorts of ghoulish things. And these things would come up at the dinner table when we were asking. Perfect crime. He said acid bath, almost impossible to uh, extract any day DNA from acid sludge. So um, the chap on Breaking Bad was quite right. So if you were going to do this away with your partner... in a very weird direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moving on, Oliver. Yeah, which <laughs> actually a spin-off, spin-off uh, real crime uh, podcast. Yeah, maybe. Exactly. There are enough of those. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's a fantastic opportunity for people like us um, because we're advising people how to deal with these um, with these new and sometimes scary things. Okay, well, moving on. So there have been a couple of large companies playing in the media space who have delivered some results, delivered some news this week. Maureen is absolutely chomping at the bit to tell us all about it um we're going to look at disney and spotify in some detail we'll start off with uh, disney so maureen what are the numbers telling us yes indeed i mean I, we've all been waiting uh, with uh, uh with with anguish and with excitement um uh, uh, around disney results but just uh they probably weren't what we expected <laughs> in terms of um in terms of its uh uh, uh, proposition, let's say, let's put it that way. Proposition being, it's going down the restructuring route. So Bob Iger has now decided, uh, you know, to stall absolutely everything in terms of investment and has reorganized the business, is going to let loose uh, uh, around about 3% of the workforce, um, so 7,000 jobs, um, and is going to now um, uh, cut costs to the extent of about five, five. $0.5 billion. Um, but, 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 but given that, you know, what, what is our interest? Our interest is in media. A significant number of that is going to be uh, cut at the content level, um, which, is, which is phenomenal because this business is very much at the heart of it, creating, creating content, creating, you know, 
doing storytelling and building, you know, fantasy worlds. So three billion of that is going to be uh, uh, from uh, content costs. And, and as they say, selectively, selectively, uh, Bob Iger will be uh, uh, looking at how he spends uh, uh, his money on sports rights. So it's a, it's a significant announcement, set of announcements. Um, I was hoping personally to just get a lot of statistics and facts around uh, uh, Disney Plus, but um, but that's probably for another day. Um, anyway, what they're also doing is reorganizing the business. And I think um, a restructuring of the business is actually quite fundamental. Um, um, and the reason I say that is because the way it's been restructured. So we have uh, ESPN in one division, we have um, entertainment in another, that's all the streaming and, and, and media. Uh, and then we have the parks and um, uh, recreations, so what they call it, experiences. But what's really quite fundamental and what I've picked up and reading between the lines is you might recall on this podcast, Claire and I were debating and discussing um, the uh, activist lobe that insisted that Disney carve out ESPN and in fact mandated bankers and the business was taken to the market. And then when they got an extraordinarily high price uh, 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 carrot sort of you know floating uh, in front of them, the board said, oh gosh, if, it, it's, if it's worth that much, then we'll keep it. So the fact that they have now put it in a special kind of like division uh, for me means that that would be a ready, a ready-made packaged uh, disposal um, uh, at some point in time. So I think I think Bob Iger is definitely looking out to the one and two years, and indeed beyond his lifetime there, because he's only got another year and a bit to go. And so what's really interesting is he's put very very senior executives front and centre now on the media and the entertainment uh, division, and that's Dana. Um, Dana Warden and Alan Bergman. And these two, by my reckoning, are the ones that now are fighting it out for uh, his, uh, to be his successor. So all in all, I think it's an extraordinary set of results. I think it surprised uh, uh, the analyst community and us as commentators and reviewers. But, but nonetheless, it's, uh, it's certainly, um, uh, from Bob Iger's perspective, set himself up for a couple of things, which is to, to really showcase who the internal successor could be and also put himself in a position where, you know, ESPN could be sold. I mean, I, I think there were interesting results and, and my my take on it um, was that there is an advantage in being an incoming CEO is that you can take very difficult decisions uh, and blame it on somebody else. And we've seen that with Zaslav when he took over at Warner Brothers Discovery. And I think that's what Iger did. Not quite, because obviously he was there before, so he can't really say none of it was his fault. But he came in and he said he had a window where he was able to take decisions that were going to be probably quite badly received by the market, uh, but would be justified by the fact that he came in, he looked at the situation, he decided some changes had to be made. And I think he, he sees that, which was the right thing to do. Uh, and, you know, it's a bit like the new new president, new prime minister coming in and, and doing a lot of things very, very quickly because this, there is a little bit of a honeymoon period. That's how I read this. He just saw the opportunity to probably do some things that had been discussed and analysed, like the restructuring for many years. But there was no it was it's very complicated to reorganise a large company like Disney. And it probably always felt that it was going to be too painful and too disruptive. And he decided and I think rightly that this was the moment, this was the window, and this was the time to do it. And indeed, the, my sense is that that's how the market read it too, and they felt that it was 
it was a sort of hitting the bottom moment and they are now expecting it to 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 start you know showing better results as the year develops so i think it was it, i i think it was the right thing to do and i think there would probably uh, that, that i suspect it will set disney up for for success in the future but we shall see i'm not surprised they're cutting investment in content and we've talked about this a lot before it's got everybody will have to we all know we've reached peak content spend and it's become it's got to the point where it's unsustainable and cannot be profitable and therefore we're going to we've seen it from netflix we're seeing it from disney it's going to be across the board no i agree and also i think the catalyst here is probably also we spoke about this last time so nelson peltz who is one of the activists um and certainly on the day when this was announced when bob Iger announced these restructuring and, uh, and and a careful look at content costs um, and sports rights um uh, you know, he was applauding Bob Iger to say, thank you very much. You clearly have listened to me, you know. Uh, so, you know, good on. I think I think we're going to see a lot more um, activist activity uh, this year where across across all of either big tech and indeed all the big and the majors uh, and the studios uh, really sort of bringing management to account and in check, given that, you know, times are slightly tougher out there. Yeah, and it's happening with Salesforce, isn't it, at the moment? And I think that's right. You know, this 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 there should be. There should be a shareholder accountability. I love the way that uh, predictions you make uh, are coming true. Claire talks about uh, new prime ministers coming in and making quite a lot happen. It uh, doesn't always work, as uh, Liz Truss will, will testify. <laughs> but generally speaking, <laughs> well, yes, is a good I, one. indeed, indeed. All right. Well, uh, big things are for Disney, and uh, even more so, you could say at Spotify. Maureen, um, please give us a little bit of insight into uh, into the announcements at Spotify. What's happening? What that all means? I'll, I'll look at Spotify from a, 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 a singular uh, perspective, actually, and it's 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 something that Claire and I, you know, you, we've all been talking about for some time now, and it's regarding sort of investments in podcasts. So it's been interesting that uh, Daniel, uh, the founder, uh, came out uh, uh, and said that uh, it, it's it's proving to be challenging to get the returns that they're looking for in podcasts. So I think what we're seeing now is um, that, 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 that the investment in, in podcasts has not in any way offset uh, the costs uh, that he is uh, burdened with in terms of licensing music. So uh, I don't think their experiment for the last you know, five, five years in, in podcasts is really sort of playing it out that they would like. Um, and that's for a number of reasons. So we're seeing um, cumulative losses, which are pretty significant. Um, to the tune of about $700 million, and also uh, probably a record um, uh, cumulative costs, sorry, a record number, I think it was to the tune of about $250 million in one quarter. Um, so, so the race to secure and retain um, uh, listeners of music, and of course, advertising revenues around listeners to music is pretty important. Uh, but if you go in a podcast environment, uh, they're not able to get uh, the significant revenues uh, that they were looking for because, um, you know, they use third party um, ad platforms and people aren't necessarily, you know, sitting there retained, uh, loyal uh, and international. So it's different when you've got a piece of music that can be international and also they get significant CPMs around um, on, on the freemium side around uh, uh, music lovers. Uh, but when you've got podcasts and people come in just for maybe a live event um, or just specifically for a local 
uh, uh, topical, uh, you know, uh, conversation, uh, like, like, not necessarily like our podcast, but others, um, then, then you're not, you're not getting that repeat, uh, repeat visitor. So I think there's a, there's a major issue, uh, for Spotify around what they do with, uh, podcasts. Um, I've been listening to Lauren Jarvis, who was one of the senior executives, uh, back in the day, uh, where she saw just the explosion of podcasts from 250,000 to about 3 million in a matter of, you know, matter of weeks and months. Um, and, and she said how, that, how that's quite challenging. So I think strategically, uh, Daniel was betted on podcasts. It's not playing out. Uh, they've got significant uh, cumulative losses they need to deal with. Uh, my understanding is that they have let go the chief content officer who was very much uh, the, um, uh, the, the strategist around all of the acquisition supporting podcasts and her content strategies. So, so she's uh, She's uh, she's been she's been let go. So um, so I'm I'm looking at Spotify from that angle, from a podcast angle. But I know Claire has got a sort of you know a wider perspective. Yeah, I I think that Spotify. I mean, I I think this isn't this is my own my view only. I think a lot of people are looking at this in that way. Spotify has decided, and I think it's the right strategy to own audio. And that means, and in the same way that Amazon now owns online shopping and Google owns search, and we can talk about dominant positions, but they, they afford a lot of advantage, uh, most particularly at some point they become very profitable, not in the beginning, but they do become very profitable. And Amazon spent a lot of money and lost a lot of money creating their dominant position, but now they are indeed uh, making the most of it and i think and so for me spotify was music and they have you have to remember that they have such a dominant position in music streaming you know they are double the size we think of the closest competitor which is apple music we don't know for sure because apple music doesn't release their numbers but that probably means they're not very good so it might even be a bigger gap than that and there really isn't anybody out there that's doing subscription music services they really own that market uh, and they also are kind of own podcasts now, even though they're not making um, any money out of it. I'm curious, where do you listen to your podcast, Maureen? Is it on Spotify or are you listening on another platform? Um, on, on, a, on, 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 on Apple, um, yeah. <laughs> so you're one of the loyal Apple users, but I think that Apple, Apple is users, yeah. not investing in podcasts and hasn't promoted their service very actively. Spotify is the place where people go for podcasts in more more often than not and now recently at the end of last year they started selling audiobooks as well so they want people to think i want something audio i will go to spotify this is the play i want to buy something online i'll go to amazon i want to listen to something online i'll go to spotify I want to watch something i'll go to netflix this is the sort of place that they want to own and i think they will get there the question is how much will it cost them and will they run up out of money before they get there? I don't think they'll run out of money because I think people believe in that strategy, but it may end up costing them a lot of money. Um, the interesting thing about them moving into audiobooks is that this is a this is a consumer spend item. So they are selling audiobooks on their platform. And indeed, they've started to invest in selling stuff on the platform, uh, including live event tickets. So they are trying to diversify away from one subscription uh, revenues and two there. And I agree with you there, Maureen. I think they are struggling with podcast advertising. I mean, podcast advertising has many issues in most of which are around technology and they probably will be solved in time. 
but they're not being solved right now. And that is causing, it's certainly not moving as fast as they had hoped it would be. I know they've invested very much on lo in local advertising, local market advertising, and they have, they're finding it hard to get traction there. The US market is starting to pick up, but that's, that's, a, that's one market for them. And they're very much a global company. So yes, I, I, I believe their general direction. I just don't know how long it will take them to get there. I think that the issue uh, for them is um, one that, that, that they, they've got an excellent, I think, ad, um, ad system, ad tech, tech stack. I think it's a proprietary system that they, they use uh, on the music side and that, you know, works pretty well. Um, the problem for podcasts is that they're relying on the third party. So I think they use a cast and, and they're not, they're just not monetizing uh, their inventory as well as, they, as well as they could. So I think if they tackle that, you're absolutely right. So if they can tackle that, that sort of ad tech stack for podcasts, if they can get it right, I think, I think you're right. They own, they sort of own that space, don't they, now on the, on, on the podcast. I, I agree with you. The, 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 the problem is, I think, more strategically for, for Spotify is they were late to the game in terms of increasing their subscription prices when Apple and Amazon, you know, uh, did so. Um, so, uh, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not doing themselves any favours, you know, by, um, by trying to sort of, you know, outdo the market. Um, and, 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 and that's not, not putting them in, in good stead. And they also, even though we say that they're a, they're a significant player, I'm not going to use the word dominant, they're a significant player, uh, the problem is they're still totally and wholly dependent on the music labels. So we've got <clears throat> we've got a problem here that I think the statistic that I saw was like the top one thousand you know uh, UK singles, ninety eight percent of those singles are represented by the big labels, and the problem is the revenue share with the big labels. So although they are you know a significant platform, you know all the money goes out the door back to you know for licensing costs. And so they do need to take ownership of their revenue model. Um, and podcast is definitely one area that they can do that. And as you say, audio and books. But, uh, but until, they, until they figure out that pricing strategy, until they figure out you know, the distribution uh, methods and until they really secure uh, the audience, um, uh, then I think they're, they're going to continue to lose money and that's going to be problematic for them, for sure. But I, I agree with you. I agree with you, Claire. It's a, but it's a, great, it's a great business. It's a shame that... Um, they're now spiraling out to control, but so so and, and and now management need to do what Disney's doing, and then is take control of the business and start to figure out how to restructure it and resize it. And I I would add something, and not from an economist point point of view, because that's not my background. So I'm going to call it an observer's point of view. Uh, is in the last twenty years, there's been possibly this isn't technical term over financing uh in this in this sector so there's normally when you as maureen said you have a good market you go to market you get finance to build up your product uh and and build your market share some of these companies and i'm thinking about netflix and spotify in particular have received too much investment because the, the, the or too much i don't know if you could say too much a lot of investment perhaps more than they needed for a normal growth strategy and that has led to a lot of decisions to try and grow as fast as you can. And that can lead to overstaffing. And I think sometimes you need to correct that. So I think that's also what we're saying a little bit. We're seeing a little bit in, in tech and me tech media companies at the moment is there has been enormous investment with a goal to, to accelerate growth. 
Uh, and sometimes that's worked perfectly well. And sometimes it's very hard to manage this sort of growth strategy perfectly. And so you need to, to correct it. We were talking about dominant players before, weren't we? And um, uh, there's this suspicion that maybe Amazon is becoming such a dominant player that it might be able to get away with um, service, which is not as, not as prestigious as it used to be. Um, do you have any any comment on that theory, Claire? I think what we're seeing, it's interesting. Uh, there was an article in, in New York Magazine about, about uh, the, Amazon, the Amazon shopping experience becoming quite cluttered, which it is. And the example they were giving is, you know, if you're looking for a kitchen spatula, you type this and the first 20 links are some sponsored uh, sponsored um, options from brands that you've never heard of, mostly based in China, who, are, who have built this business as Amazon product sellers. Uh, and uh, with reviews that are numerous and sometimes fake and there's been a lot of press around potentially fake reviews on amazon this i don't think is amazon's i mean they're not pushing fake reviews amazon they are a platform and it's being used in that way i do think because of multiple decisions probably by different units at amazon that all probably seem to make sense in isolation the experience on the platform is getting worse and i think if they had a strong competitor they would have had to correct it because people would have been moving on to the next one. But because they don't, they are not correcting it and it's continuing to get worse. The other example, I think, is Google search, which equally is becoming very complicated. Your first page of Google search is all sponsored results. There's a lot of fraud going on. Uh, my in-laws tried to buy an ESTA for the US and, you know, got, got both of them separately clicked, to, clicked on a fake link and ended up paying more than they should have, etc. And, you know, it's Again, it's not Google going out there trying to push fake links. It's that the way the system has been set up and the various decisions that have been taken, probably to increase revenues, et cetera, et cetera, have led to something that is increasingly not a great search experience, but there's nobody else. And so you keep using Google search, you get annoyed with it, but you keep using it. Uh, and I think that's that's not a great place to be, especially for companies like Amazon and Google, who were built on the fact that they provided a really, really premium user experience. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. And I think we've got the DOJ now, uh, Merrick, um, now effectively <clears throat> taking taking this very seriously. And I think now we're starting to see, uh, you know, the uh, DOJ uh, uh, calling Google to account. And, and that's going to be really interesting to as it unfolds. It's weird, isn't it? Because if you've got if you want to buy a car, you've got like a myriad of, of uh, car dealers to deal with, so they're all competing against each other, and that's uh, that's a very nice place to be. In the same with sort of supermarkets, you've got the four big ones in the UK, and they're always trying to um, entice you in with offers in the same search engine um, and indeed online shopping. Uh, the dominance is so great that you're losing out by not using the, the big one. Um, anyway, interesting, a story that will run and run, as we say on this podcast. We are running a bit late, actually. We've had so much to discuss, and I've asked so many daft questions this week um, that we have to move on to lightning fast, and we have to do it in lightning fast speed. So it's lightning fast this week with a twist. And the twist is to help Maureen and uh, to save a bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, as we've been uh, not, not so much lightning fast as slightly ponderous, but it's been quite good, actually, because it's allowed us to um, get an insight into Maureen's mind and her flights of fancy, which have been superbly entertaining and very brilliantly articulated. So we move into the lightning fast round where you can either describe what you want to say about this entity that I put up uh, in a form of a pod moji, which, of course, is Claire's um, 
sweet spot or a sound effect which we think uh might be quite uh might be quite fun i might even be able to help with because uh quite like sound effects so it's the lightning fast round podmoji slash sound effect we were gonna i suggested mid-journey but then uh, claire reminded me that that this is actually a podcast not a, a video so that sort of went by the by um so let's start we have five so the first one and i'm going to go to uh claire first is super bowl podmoji slash sound effect okay. <laughs> i don't think i could have been clearer okay. All right. i think i, I made I, the instructions very to... clear I, okay, this is my this is my potmoji. I am holding my phone, and the reason is uh, over thirty percent of viewers in the U.S. Super Bowl is obviously this massive sporting event in the U.S. Very completely incomprehensible for anybody who's not in the U.S. But a major major uh, broadcast event in the U.S. And this year, over thirty percent of viewers, more than more than cable and more than broadcast networks said they were going to watch it in on streaming platforms, which I think is another uh, step towards the move towards streaming. So I, I just thought that was that was a very interesting. In addition to that, over 50% of viewers said that wherever they were going to watch it, they were going to be following them on digital platforms, meaning they might be on Twitter or any of the digital mm. platforms that they use. So uh, that, that I think is interesting. Over to you, Maureen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as Claire was speaking, all I could think of was 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 me on a bridge in Amsterdam, uh, going oh, as like in, the screen, as in yeah. the screen. Oh, oh that's good. That's no, I like that. That's brilliant. Oh. That, that's it. This is working already. It's working. And uh, for, I mean, for I'm going to be honest and say my first spot emoji was somebody using a baseball bat, and then I realised Super Bowl is football and not baseball, so it didn't work. I think. It yeah. Is, is it? Super Bowl yeah. is anyway. Thankfully we have an episode on sports coming up, so we can be excellent. Uh, can oh be, good. Uh, informed. I'm really looking forward to that one. So that was great. That was a lovely sound effect. And also you looked fantastic on that as as well, Maureen. Uh moving on. Uh, there we go again. <laughs> uh the iPads, the new iPad, and I'm gonna go to Maureen first this time. Oh really? Oh no. Uh, iPad. Oh yeah. Yes. So waves. <laughs> waves, 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 waves in the sea. Uh, I see. That's not a noise at all, is it? So uh, the reason I say that is because it's going to be folding. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I'm not following the transition between folding and waves, but uh, folding iPad, iPad is coming up with folding. Samsung has obviously been pushing their folding phone and uh, specifically against the fact that the iPhone is not folding, but in 2024, iPad's going to, apparently, there'll be a folding iPad. So I am going to go, shall I go with a little celebratory emoji? The one oh, that's very nice. Blowing. Oh, you like I love that? that. Yeah, yeah. I like I did quite well. Um, I love the hat. I love the hat. Yeah, it's a hat. The hat, the hat, the hat makes it, makes it. Uh, and so, yes, it's exciting. I want a folding iPad, obviously. Oh, the French have such a, a heritage, a rich heritage in mime and, and visual comedy. It's coming out uh, in spades uh, there with Claire. Lovely. Love that. Um, Microsoft Claire. Microsoft. Okay, I'm going to do with the shrug emoji because I'm not sure. This is the shrug emoji. Uh, because uh, you got it, you'll get it. Yes, it, it's been a sort of 50-50 uh, uh, week for Microsoft. They've had some really bad news coming from the UK, which may 
it's starting to look like they may not be able to buy Activision. I mean, I, or if they do buy it, they're going to have to sell so much of it to comply with competition authorities that it's going to be a bit useless for them. So that's bad news because they've spent so much money on this. On the good news side, they did an AI event. They talked about their investment in OpenAI. That's been very, very well received. And I think they are seen as one of the, and you know, probably justifies uh, Google's reaction. They have suddenly, their, their name has, has been associated with something that everybody thinks is really, really hot at the moment. So that's a good thing. So yeah, a bit of a mixed bag for Microsoft. Not bad, Maureen. Oh, yeah. So I imagine a picture, a big old war chest that you've just pulled up from the sea, like shipwreck, and then you open it and there's like loads of big, gigantic <laughs> gold coins. Those gold coins are now going to be used instead of buying Activision to buy Netflix and much more. So I love the idea. I think Microsoft's done a superb job by way of PR this week. I know it's really sad that they haven't been able to buy or will probably not buy Activision, but then I think that those proceeds are going to be used in the other direction for, for, for Netflix. So I'm going, yay, whoa, 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 whoa. I That's think soon. you can, whoa, yeah, whoa. Lassoo's <laughs> and everything. This is They're, amazing. I love it. This might yeah, they're very bit. good. We're going to, eventually, we're going to have to create a video only of Maureen's pot mochi reactions. Well, I've got them. They're all on record due due to uh, yeah the 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 platform that we're using to record this. So uh, they're all there. The uh, brilliant thing is that that rumor that you started really, I think you heard it here first. The old um, Microsoft buying Netflix. Well, maybe we you heard it early here. Um, So let's move on. So Maureen, you're in the chair. Uh, and uh, although you nearly bounced out of it uh, with the last uh, lightning fast round, uh, Google, Maury. Do you remember that Australian uh, comedian? He's <laughs> getting more and more involved. <laughs> in, the, in the 80s, in the 80s with those big glasses, and it was a guy, Australian guy, that did an impression of... You don't mean Dame Edna Everidge, uh, do you? Dame Edna Everidge. When I think of Google, it's just those big... Yes. So you mentioned you know, those big, gigantic glasses and the big uh, 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 sort of furry things on top are kind of like, they were real glasses, they were real glasses. So Google, uh, uh, in, in, uh, pets, a set, a set of glasses on David Hello, my Reverend. darlings. Hello, my darlings. Hi, Did darling. she used to talk a little bit like that? Did she talk she a did. bit like that, more? Like that. Yeah, not did too bad. Yeah, so, that's not hang on, you're saying Google uh, is a pair of glasses <laughs> simply because there's two O's in Google, Maureen, basically. Yes. Okay, yes, no, that's that sounds good. Into my head. Right, yeah. that's good. I suppose that's what this round is all about. Um, Claire? Okay, well, Google, I'm going with the, I'm much more of an emoji person. I'm going with the doubtful emoji, the one with Got the it. one eyebrow raised. Yeah. Can I try it? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, so did, did you see that? That was quite good. Yeah. So we yeah. don't think they've had a very good week. They've, they, there's the DOD potential uh, investigation to their ad tech. They also did a an AI event, but it wasn't received quite as well. They announced part, but then they didn't launch it. So everybody's like, well, we haven't seen any of it. Is it good? But it's Google. I kind of feel like they'll be okay. I'm not seeing, you know, I think they've just not had the best week. Okay, now that makes sense. Uh, and I'm going to come back to you, uh, Claire. Oh, yes. Um, Claire, uh, episodic television. Go. Episodic television is, okay, my emoji is uh, thumbs up. Uh, but not super creative, but that's what I'm going for. Episodic television is back. 
people, you know, we went through this period where there was what is called in technical term, a season drop, uh, where you suddenly can get all the episodes, a sort of stranger thing kind of thing that started, that started with the iPlayer really, where they started putting a whole season of stuff, uh, in one go on the platform and that was very people started talking about binge watching and you know that's still going on obviously but for a while this is this was the only thing the only game in town and suddenly in the last six months episodic television has come back you know game of thrones was probably the one the one that bucked that trend and indeed house of the dragon bucked that trend by releasing their episodes uh globally a week one week at a time creating an event every time and in the uk we've just had that at a massive scale with a series called the happy valley i think most many of our listeners will have watched which became a a, a national event the final uh, episode just came out and everybody was watching it. and i think that's the beauty of course of episode television it it creates event watching event viewing which is which is a brilliant thing to do if you can. So I think episodic television is back. The suspense of waiting for the next episode, and I'm quite happy about it. Yeah, it made the news. Uh, I couldn't believe it. The last news item was the last episode of Happy Valley. I never even watched a a single episode. Maureen's put some uh, sunglasses on. She looks uh, a little bit like Bono (laughs) now, um, for the record. Um, I don't know. Is this part of your Podmoji slash sound effect for episodic television, Maureen? It is indeed. It is indeed. It is to say, uh, uh, you too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, actually, it was Bono. It was Bono. Well done. Well, that was quick thinking. I'm kind of glad we don't rehearse this now. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. Very good. Yes, I think think we're getting to a balance between some season drops and some some proper event television, including on the scripted side, because obviously entertainment has remained episodic because it's live or as live. But um, I'm very pleased to see it. The last time I remember this sort of, in the UK at least, this sort of national news item around the uh, series was Broadchurch, actually. Uh, not to tease right, anything, yeah. but that's something we could talk about with our next guest, possibly. Ah, yes. Or Killing Eve. Would you put the same category, Killing Eve? That became a sort of a national topic. Yeah. Well, talking about our next okay. guest, um, let's, let's, let's mention it, Claire. Do you want to announce? Should we announce? I feel like we should keep yeah. the suspense up. But it's going to be very exciting and we will talk about Broadchurch. Uh, so that's a bit of a hint, isn't it? I guess. Uh, and it's not Olivia Coleman, um, who I stood no, next to at a bar. This time. And, no, that's, and, that's, uh, a, that's a shit. Yeah, I stood next to her at a bar and uh, couldn't pluck up the courage to say, I love Peep Show. It's my favourite sitcom. I'm so pathetic when it comes to meeting people famous. Um, that's it, guys. We've done it. Um, I think that was, a, that was a doozy. That was great. It had everything that had economic content. It had a, a little bit of um, education for me and it had a fantastic lightning fast. And I think basically Maureen should be allowed to uh, do the physical stuff. Um, I don't think it should be sound. But if it is sound... <laughs> Uh, all, all the better congratulations uh, to both of you uh, and um, thank you uh, Claire thank you very much Oliver and thank you Maureen as ever cheers Oliver we are there uh, we do have a special guest uh, next week which we are all very excited about um, so have a great time until we see you again hope you've enjoyed the podcast if you have like and subscribe we are growing listeners every week which is very exciting too see you next time bye bye bye